0: What does the Bible say about human nature? Is man really that bad? Or is there a spark of goodness in every one of us? Do we have to choose evil to become evil? Have our consciences become desensitized to the evil around us? And does it matter who eventually becomes president and what their values are? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian Worldview for Christ and Culture. Mr. Gorbachev
1: tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th,
2: 1941,
0: a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. And
4: am I glad to be talking to you. Uh, You know, this, this really troubles me that one of the most basic doctrines of Christianity is that men are bad, uh, that men do things that are wrong all of the time, and that, that just doesn't sit very well with us. And there's a thing that's called the banality of evil. I know that word sounds intimidating, and uh, you may not be familiar with it or use it very often, but it's a really important idea to get across, and so we're going to talk about it today, banality. Uh, some people say the word banal, uh, others say it different ways. I'm going to say banal all day. I'm just telling you right now so that when somebody calls, on, calls in later on during the show and they say, hey, the word is pronounced banal in the dictionary, banal is one of the pronunciations. Now, what I'm going to say when they call in to correct me, I'm going to say, hey, uh, thanks for t- letting me know that. I-, I wasn't aware of that. But what I'm really going to be doing is laughing at them because they didn't know that I know that it's okay to say banal, okay? The word banal is a, is a word that just means uh, innocent. It means trivial. It means unimportant. It's, it's non-effectual. It doesn't accomplish anything. And the banality of evil is a strange concept because what it implies about evil is the opposite of what we normally think. And I, I want to talk to you about why I'm saying that in just a second, because the doctrine this belief that we hold as Christians that's one of the most fundamental things that we say is that men are basically bad, that they do things that are bad, that they're bad in their hearts, that they're always thinking bad thoughts, that there's nothing good about us and all that kind of stuff. Now, that doesn't sit very well with us because most of us are around people that we regard as pretty good people most of the time. In fact, uh, I get to go all over the state and preach at different churches. On weekends, and I have such a great time doing that because of the people that I get to meet. I got to meet a, a bunch of tremendous folks at South Park Baptist Church over in Fort Worth this weekend. Just great people. I loved them to death. If you asked me if they were good folks, I'd say absolutely they were good folks. At Cornerstone down in Corsicana, at Madisonville down in uh, on I 45 First Baptist Church down there, at Bethany Baptist Church here in Dallas, out in San Angelo at Glen Meadows. I've been to all these churches that where people just love each other. They're good people. They're doing good things. They're just like you think of yourself, and you. Think Think of your neighbors, and you think of the people who are co-members with you at your church. We love to be around people like that. Then, then where does this idea that people are so bad come from, and what causes it? Well, the problem that I think we run into is... We're so confident in human nature. And in America, we're especially taught this, to, to be optimistic about ourselves. I mean, I, I opened my—not uh, not in Christianity, per se, in orthodoxy, but, but in America in general. We're taught to be confident in ourselves, to trust ourselves, to believe in ourselves. I opened my little fortune cookie at lunch today where I was having uh, Chinese food. And, uh, you know, my fortune cookie, it says this. I'm holding it in my hand right here. It says, turn your thoughts within. Find yourself. I— I don't know that I really want to find myself, but man, when, when my lioness mother is holding me up to the sky and saying, just be true to yourself, little cub, and everything will be okay, I'm thinking, maybe I'm not that bad. Maybe it's really not that bad. And when I'm around all these people, that I trust and love and get to know as my friends, I think, you know, they're not really that bad. Maybe maybe it's not really that bad. And we extend that out so far that we're willing to look at public figures and and imply uh, actually infer onto them the characteristics that we've given to our neighbors and our friends that we've learned to trust as well so that we begin to trust them too and and they say things like you know trust me i'm i'm taking away your freedom but but trust me it'll be okay i'm not going to do anything bad for you it, it, it's all going to be all right and we look at them and we say you know he, he has two eyes like i do and a nose and two ears and a mouth and and skin and he and he looks so soft and warm and fuzzy and friendly I mean, shouldn't I trust him? Uh, I, I, how, why would I believe he was going to do anything evil? And, and you know, the truth of the matter is, he's probably not planning on doing anything evil. The truth of the matter is, he probably does have the same motives you have and the same motives your neighbor has. But that's not good enough. This is where the banality of evil comes up. Let me, let me explain where the phrase comes from. Don't give up on me. I know it's a weird phrase. I know you're not used to it. But, but man, just open your mind and learn something here for just a second. And then I'm going to invite you to call in. And uh, basically, I'm going to tell you right now what I want you to call in about is one of these two things. Number one, what do you see as an issue regarding our culture or our society where it's underestimated in its importance right now? That is, people don't talk about it much. They don't do anything about it. They don't worry about it. But you look at it and you say, you know, I think that could have catastrophic consequences if it's not dealt with. What would you say is like that? Now, I'll explain more about that in a second if you don't know what I mean yet. But on the other side, I want to ask the opposite question, which is what do you see being emphasized as a huge issue in our culture or uh, within the churches, or in your own life, and you say, people are talking about this all the time, and they act like it's such a huge deal, but in reality, you think it's probably inconsequential. It probably doesn't make any bit of difference at all. What would you say are the things that are like that as you look at our culture right now? So those are the two questions I'm going to ask you to call in about in a moment. Now, the number is 1-800-881-9270, but let me set you up with this just uh, just for a second before you call in. It's 1-800-881-9270, in just a moment. What issue is important that's being overlooked right now or is being looked at seriously right now but really isn't all that important either way you want to call in in just a minute now That phrase that I was mentioning, the banality of evil, is important in all of this because this woman named Hannah Arendt, uh, she was a German, a a Jewish German, who uh, was born back in 1906, lived till 1975, but she was a thinker, she was a philosopher, and you can imagine the years that I gave you, 1906 to 1975, that she was an adult during the Holocaust in Germany. She fled to Paris, she was imprisoned for a while, she faced severe persecution, lost family members, went through terrible things, and she ended up writing this book in 1963 after the Holocaust was over about, the trial of Adolf Eichmann. You remember him, Adolf Eichmann, the architect of the Holocaust. He's the man whose technical skills, his engineering skills, allowed um, the, the mass murders to take place. I mean, everybody uh, who had bought into the vision of Adolf Hitler had uh, brought about this final solution or had desired this final solution to be brought about, but they didn't know how to do it. Adolf Eichmann was one of the main engineers who actually provided mechanisms that allowed them to kill the number of people that they did in Germany during the Holocaust. And when he was was caught in South America and taken back to Israel for a trial and then finally hanged in the streets there. When all of that happened, Hannah Arendt wrote a book about him uh, called Adolf Eichmann in Jerusalem, and then the subtitle was A Report on the Banality of Evil, because you may not remember it, but Adolf Eichmann's statement uh, after he had been caught and while he was being tried was, look, All I did was make the trains run on time. That's what he said. All I did was make the trains run on time. I didn't make the policy. I wasn't the person who determined what should happen. I was just a bureaucrat is basically what he was saying. And, of course, that doesn't fly in the wake of the Holocaust and the things that we look at with it. But it made Hannah Arendt realize that many of the things that we decide about are not things where we decide to choose evil. We don't decide to become totalitarians. We don't decide that we want to persecute people or be cruel. What we decide is we'd like more living room for our people. We'd like more space for our people. And we end up committing genocide as a consequence of having made the wrong choice. In fact, this is my point, that you do not have to choose evil to become evil. You only have to choose wrong, not, not wrongly. I'm not saying you just have to have the wrong method of making a choice. I mean, you just have to choose wrong. We can make decisions that don't seem like they're huge, but they are huge in their consequences. And so what I want to know is, what are those things that are going on in our culture right now, that are going on in our culture, that are so important, but they may not look that important today, but they will be eventually. Now, I've got a bunch of examples to give you. If you think you know of something that's going on in our culture, a political issue or a personal issue or a, a governmental issue or some legislative thing that's going on or whatever it is that you think is going on that uh, we ought to be aware of because the consequences could be staggering, if you think there's something like that, you, you feel free to call in at 1-800-881-9270. Now, this is the way it comes to me. People say, why do we spend so much time talking about all of these issues? Why do we spend so much time talking about drunk driving and, or pregnancy and abortion or government policy regarding?" families or who's going to be elected president and so on like that? Why do, we, why do we do all of that when it all seems so trivial or so pointless or so, and the word for this is banal? Why would we do that? And the reason is because the consequences are huge on these issues. Just recently, in fact, today, we heard this confession from Governor Spitzer regarding his involvement in some immoralities. Now, he wasn't specific about exactly what the immoralities were, but he did acknowledge that he'd been involved in some things where he was behaving badly.
0: I have acted in a way that violates my obligations to my family and that violates my or any sense of right and, wrong.
4: And uh, you know, to give him credit, he's willing to admit that he was not proud of his behavior. Uh, in fact, he said exactly this.
0: I've disappointed and failed to live up to the standard I expected of myself.
4: He is even willing to apologize for the fact that he'd been doing these things.
0: I apologize first and most importantly to my family. I apologize to the public for my promise better.
4: Now, now where did this come from? In Governor Spitzer, our great crime-fighting governor of the state of New York who had served as the attorney general there. While he was in office, he was involved, apparently, uh, based on reports we've heard, not from his confession, that he was involved in some kind of a prostitution ring or something like that. Where does that come from? And it's not just in him. It's in others also. And my point is that as much as we want to put our trust in people, uh, we also have these doubts that rise up when we realize that people are not as good as we want to be we're just normal all of us have these faults that are in us that make us also dangerous george i appreciate your calling in from dallas uh what is it you wanted to mention about immigration
3: well just it seems like immigration seems to be forgotten as we go through this political season that immigration is really a non-factor yet i i personally feel that's one of the greatest things that is is killing our country you know you have you know 70 percent of babies born at parkland hospital are born to non-u.s mother citizens you know anchor baby situation uh, the amount of money that's spent each year incarcerating illegal aliens, providing free public education, free housing. All right, all George. The, all that, that's funds. a pretty good.
4: That's a pretty good litany of the things that are associated with immigration. This is the question I want to ask you: What is the staggering consequence that goes with all of that if it is going to lead to a serious problem in the future? And I, I agree with you; it's a serious issue that has to be resolved. What is going to, you know, change people's lives tomorrow, or next year, or in five years? Because of those immigrants that are present in our culture. What would you say is the basic issue, if you had to say it in one sentence or less, and you do?
3: Well, really, I think <laughs> the basic issue is we, as American citizens, those that have paid the price, you know, our founding fathers who've paid the uh-huh. price and earned the right to call ourselves Americans, we are we're, we're, we're having our rights stripped away, or worse, we're giving them
4: away because you're so so you see it as an impingement on the rights that we ourselves are going to enjoy I want to talk some more about that in a minute George I hope either you'll stay on or call back in a minute or that somebody else will call in on the immigration issue because that's going to come up I want to get one more call in before the break Uh, I appreciate I have no idea how to say this name but Ocelcio uh, in Carrollton I appreciate your calling and uh, you wanted to mention something about freedom
3: yes go right ahead um,
2: you, you don't value it until you lose it Ah. In in in, uh, I think this country. I came from abroad. I I I've been in the states uh, uh, since uh, 1976. In uh, you know, you go along and you see the freedoms just being eroded away.
4: Now, what, what particularly? What freedoms are you talking about? Because that's our question. Where do they get rubbed away? Where do we not notice that they're disappearing? What would you say? Fifteen seconds or so.
2: Well, you go you. Just freedom, freedom of expression. I think uh, okay. You, you, okay, you, you you lose quite a bit of that in in you once you start looking. The caller just before he's talking about immigration. That's part of what's going on. You know, it,
4: right? It, I you hear know, you. Acelcio, yeah. thank you for calling. I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's one of the fundamental issues that we have to be aware of. When we see little liberties being stripped away, we need to be aware that our our liberty as a whole is also being taken away from us, and we have to watch out for that. Listen, I want to know what you think is important going on in our culture where the ramifications are going to be huge in the future. When we come back after the break, we'll have more callers. This is Barry Creamer for Jerry Johnson Live.
0: That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer.
4: Well, I want to help clarify the topic a little for us. Just for a moment, we've been talking about the banality of evil. The reason I'm calling it that is because we don't choose evil up front. We just make bad choices. And when we make bad choices, they can have catastrophic consequences in the long term. And so I'm asking you to call in and share with me the things you think are bad choices that we're making right now in our culture. It can be politically or personally or socially or whatever, that we're making bad choices. And you think even right now they may not be focused on as much as they should, but they're going to have catastrophic consequences in the long run, sort of like making the trains run on time so that millions of Jews end up dying. That's what I was talking about. And in the, nobody chooses to kill a family when they go to a bar, but that uh, Dallas policeman who was arrested again uh, for a second time for drunk driving, when he gets in his car, he is surely guilty of perpetrating an evil on the culture because drunk driving kills families all of the time, and that makes choices that are wrong lead to consequences that are evil, and that's what we have to take into consideration. It's not just in that realm, but all kinds of realms in our lives. So I want to know what you think the issues are that ought to be taken into consideration right now. I know we've got Lindsay on the line in Cedar Hill saying something about tolerance. Lindsay, what's going on?
1: Hi, I would just say that um, tolerance in the church is a big issue right now, that uh, it's very socially popular, and everyone's trying to do it, but it's going to be catastrophic down the road.
4: Uh, what, I assume what you mean by that is that tolerance, uh, meaning we're not going to hold to any absolute truth or any absolute claims, but we're just going to put up with every kind of teaching, and it's all going to be fine. Is that what you're criticizing, that right. position? Right, and
1: just kind of going with the way of the world that um, we'll accept and welcome every person, depending on, you know, regardless of what they believe.
4: Can I play devil's I, advocate with you for a minute? Yes. Because I agree with you, of course. I think most of our listeners would agree with you. But, you know, what if you were listening to somebody who's promoting tolerance like that, and what if their statement was, oh, yeah, well, intolerance has brought about the death of millions of people because of, uh, you know, the Catholic Church perpetrating the Crusades and things like that historically. Do you know what I'm asking you? Yes. Okay, so what would you say to that? Because shouldn't we be tolerant of other people?
1: We should be based on, we should be tolerant on what the Bible says to be tolerant on. And so when we cross the lines of just being tolerant on what's socially popular, that's where we, we make the mistake.
4: Lindsay, thank you so much for a perfect call because this really is an important point. There's a, there's, a, there's a sophisticated way to look at these issues, and then there's a really simplistic way to look at the issues. And I don't mean my, by sophisticated some kind of worldly-wise kind of thing, but I mean we have to apply more than just a feel-good response to problems. Uh, I, I remember hearing uh, one of our uh, Democratic presidential candidates, Gravel, Uh, talking about um, how we need to love one another. I think we have audio on that.
2: Many people who pray are the ones who want to go to war, who want to kill fellow human beings. That disturbs me. I think what we need is more love.
4: Oh, I, I, oh! We just need more love, uh, you know. Do we, we? Well, of course we need more love. Uh, I mean, of course we ought to love one another. Uh, what is he criticizing? Prayer? He's not criticizing prayer. What's he criticizing? War? Well, who wants war? Nobody wants war. We don't go to war because we say, "Oh, oh let's go kill some people. Ah, that's going to be fun." There's no, there's no desire for that. There is a war because there is an evil that has to be stopped, and if we don't act to stop it, there are catastrophic consequences consequences. consequences from allowing it to run loose. I mean, that's the the whole idea of this quote that's attributed to Edmund Burke all the time. I don't know where it actually comes from. But the idea that all it takes for for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. So, Lindsay, thank you for a great call to be able to introduce that topic. Uh, Judy in in Waxahachie, I also appreciate you calling. Man, I know how to say Waxahachie. I'm from this area, so not a problem. Uh, uh, Hey, you were going to mention something about respect, Judy.
1: Go ahead. Yes, I believe that um, our parents... um, from even the older kids and even young hmm. adults yeah. have have neglected to teach their children how to respect others right. and to respect themselves. And when there's a lack of respect for anything or anyone or, right. or, or even themselves, then it it is beginning to become catastrophic. I think right. because no one respects anyone else, anyone else's feelings, anyone else's property. Uh, You know, there
4: there are two different issues I think you're bringing up. I want to stick with the first one for just a minute, Judy, because uh, what you're talking about in the first light of respect has to do basically with authority. And uh, there's a way in which I think it's uh, indefensible that we have overlooked the significance of authority in a culture. It's one of the very basic Christian teachings in the New Testament that those who have a respect for authority are able to submit, uh, to give themselves over to something higher than themselves, and to demonstrate their confidence that God is working in their lives. And those who don't have any respect, for the authorities who are over them, they're compared to the fallen angels in passages like Second Peter and Jude and things like that. So uh, I think that's a hugely important issue. And I also think you're right uh, that it shows a self-denial that allows us to be able to get along with other people. And uh, without that kind of respect in a culture, you just can't function. Is that, is that a fair enough assessment of what you're getting at, Judy?
1: That, uh, and, and it's and it's tearing our culture apart. I believe.
4: Well, let me say something and on the other side of that. I think people
1: don't think that that's important.
4: Right. Oh, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I agree taught, with you.
1: I was taught just the the basic respect of you know, say Mister and Mrs., You right, know, right. so and so, um, and yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. But nowadays, people don't don't think that it's important to teach their children to be just respectful. Right. Of their, in their language. Right,
4: I've got you. You know, you know, the other side of that is, I think, uh, and th- this is just to take completely the other side, and thank you so much for your call, Judy, great call, um, I, is that if we are in positions of authority and we have this responsibility, we have to learn not to rule from this autocratic position, I'm the boss, you have to follow me, but actually to earn the respect of the people who are around us, to to earn their trust and their confidence. And uh, boy, that, that'll generate a lot more confidence in our society going both directions. I'm Reminded of uh, the recent Larry Craig allegations and the things that followed from that, I'll, I'll just remind you of what he said here for a moment. I am not gay. I never have been gay. You know, that brings up a whole litany of issues that have to do with whether we have confidence in our government and those who rule over us because we didn't know whether to trust Larry Craig, a senator, and whether he'd gotten involved in this weird stuff in that bathroom, you know, the foot tapping stuff. And then today we find out, or late last week we find out, that another guy was accused of the same thing in that bathroom, but he accused the police officer of doing the first foot tapping. I what, 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 what is going on? I, I don't know whether to trust the policeman or to trust the senator or not to trust either one of them or or to know who it is we're supposed to believe in because political leadership's so hard to... And I can't just say it about politicians. I mean, we all remember just a few years back uh, our brother Jimmy Swaggart.
0: I have sinned against you, my lord. And I would ask that your
4: precious <laughs> Now, I'm not trying to mock someone who's repentant. I'm not doing that at all. But I am saying this has become almost a byword in our culture. We, we look at those who are in authority and we doubt whether they can be trusted or not. And we have a reason to doubt it because we're not sure whether they can be trusted or not because we've been let down so many different times. Louise, I believe, or Louis, I'm sorry, from Waxahachie, I believe you have a, a comment about gay marriage. Is that right? Yes, sir. Louis, what do you have to say?
2: well uh kramer i i i really uh thank God for your ministry there at Criswell, but one thing i gotta say about gay marriage is this that uh you know everybody wants to make it okay and when you know we bring up our children and uh when they see things like that and we you know just elect a a politician to run our country
3: and he says
2: you know it's okay and uh and everybody makes it it's okay and I think thats uh eventually it's going to end up just Biting us in
4: the butt. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one way to say it. I'm not sure I would say it exactly that way. We we obviously don't have a delay running here, but the point is that uh, you know we understand the threats that we feel, and, and the threat here is not just about homosexuality. It's not about a particular lifestyle. The threat here is to the fundamental structure of the family. We want to defend the family, so we look not just at not just at this particular issue, but at all of the issues in our culture, including that one, which is a major one, but including all of the issues in our culture, like the Divorce rate, and uh, like the lack—how uh, well, many couples are living together before they get married right now? All of those kinds of issues are a major threat to marriage, and we have to recognize the long-term consequences that go along with ignoring them and acting like they're not important. Which is a lot of what we're doing in our culture right now. Steve in Arlington, thanks so much for calling. What do you think about evolution?
3: Well, I think that, that the, uh, the the current uh, political and and uh, academic approach to not allowing
2: any uh, reference to to creationism or to creation right. by design is is confusing our children because right. when they're taught that in school
3: and then then uh, it when they read Genesis one one that says in the beginning God created there's a there's a dichotomy there that we have to we have to make sure they understand. I, I think that's right. leading to problems
4: in the future. Sure. Well, I understand where, where you're coming from. In fact, I'd say a couple of things to this. One is, I, I, I do agree, I think the fundamental problem is not that evolution is taught, uh, even though I disagree with it. I'm a young Earth creationist. But I think the fundamental problem is that we've got such, uh, you know, it's called a hegemony of power. All the power is with that one view. There is no other view allowed. You cannot express anything in opposition to it, or you're considered some kind of a fanatic or a lunatic. Even if you just suggest that there are are people who believe something else, and they're not entirely irrational people. I think that's a fundamental problem. We ought to be willing to hear other views, including on issues like science, like you were mentioning there. I have a, I have a second issue with that topic of evolution there also, though, and that is that uh, there's something more fundamental about why we don't uh, want to hear the view that God created the world intentionally for a purpose, because the expectation would be that if He created it with a purpose in mind, and not just allowing it evolution, to act mechanistically, to bring about these results without any particular purpose. If he acted with a purpose, then we have a moral responsibility to live up to the essence of that purpose. And if we fail, then we're accountable to God for failing to be what he has expected us to be from the beginning. So there are some fundamental worldview issues that have to change for us to address some of these issues, but just bringing them up and being aware of them uh, has a positive impact on things. Listen, uh, after the break, we're going to be talking some more about the same topic, but I want to look at the opposite side of it, because sometimes we distract attention from the real issues that are going on in us by talking about uh, less important things and making them sound like they're huge. Uh, the Vatican has recently defined some new sins for us. And after the break, I want to identify what a couple of those are and talk about whether they're actually significant or not. So we're going to want you to call back after the break. If you want to call, the number is 800-1800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. Share with us either side of it. Something that's being overlooked right now but has huge significance, or something that's being emphasized right now. Everybody's talking about it, but it's really not all that important. Come back and join us after the break. I'm Barry Creamer for Jerry Johnson Live.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer.
4: Well, glad you've stayed with us. We've been talking about uh, human nature and the fact that we're accused of being bad, of uh, being evil all of the time. But in general, we think of ourselves in a better light than that. And I think there's just cause for that. I mean, we are, uh, treat each other well in churches. People love each other. They care about each other. There's good in that. Uh, but there's also a side to us that does have something wrong with it. I, I mean, we, we don't do everything the way we ought to do it. And because of that, when we start making bad choices, we can run amok. And we can run amok not from a choice to do evil, but just from a choice to do something that's not the best thing. And uh, things can go crazy with that. So we've been asking you to call in. uh, The number is 1-800-881-9270. We've been asking you to call in and share with us the things that you see going on in our culture or going on in the political spectrum or uh, that are being introduced in, uh, for instance, in the context of bioethics, what happens in hospitals and when doctors are making decisions about uh, anything from end of life to beginning of life issues. You know, what's going on with that? What are the issues that are uh, being overlooked right? Now, but that have uh, hugely important ramifications in the future and affect us as a people and uh, us as individuals as well. So we've got a couple of callers on the line. I want to take care of, and then uh, we're going to talk about a couple of more things that are going on in the news today in order to clarify where this issue goes. Uh, Rob, I appreciate your calling from McKinney. What do you have to say? Yeah,
1: this is Robbie. I'm Robbie,
4: I'm about, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I'm
1: calling about immigration. Yes and I, I know a lot of people have said a lot of things about immigration, okay. but I just want to mention is a global problem is a human problem. And I think as Christians, we should look more at the bigger picture and not be legalistic.
4: Oh, sure. Uh, and yeah. I, you know, I, I think most people understand that. Uh, we're not trying to make the comment that uh, immigration is a bad thing in itself. We're talking about illegal immigration instead. And even there, it's not that individuals who are illegal immigrants, for instance, have something inherently evil about them because they've illegally immigrated. Uh, that one thing about them is wrong, but so is speeding. So uh, our fundamental issue is that there are dangers that are Exposed to the society that uh, may not be handled otherwise. But you are right. It's a global issue. I mean, pretending that we can just uh, freeze where everyone is right now and that the economy is going to stay like it is and that we can isolate ourselves from the world, I, I think is a pretense that's, that's never going to function. So thank you for calling in, Robbie. I appreciate that. Uh, Bob and Terrell, what do you have to comment on, Bob?
2: Yes, I was just going to say that uh, Adolf Hitler was known as uh, one of the worst committer of crimes of the, the sure. nazis and uh sure. what he did with the, the jews
4: he's our but, dictionary uh, entry of evil
2: america is uh has made uh adolf hitler a saint the way that we uh uh abort uh babies and uh it said it has been said that uh there's uh pharmaceuticals in uh, the water now right that's nothing uh as to the uh, remains of babies that's been in waters. Now, now I surrender. actually
4: appreciate you bringing up the topic of, uh, of abortion, particularly because there's an interesting thing that came out in January where the National Right to Life was pointing out, this organization was pointing out how much abortions have gone down in the last, well, since the year 2000. And what they had were statistics from 2000 to 2006. And uh, In those statistics, abortions have gone down by about 300,000 a year based on the numbers that were happening in 1992. So, the idea is that almost by 25% sense since, they were at their peak, the number of abortions happening each year has gone down. Not just because there are fewer fertile women or something like that, but statistically, proportionately, the number of abortions is going down. Now, 2000, 2000, let's see, what happened in the year 2000? Well, What would have changed in the year 2000? Oh yeah, that's when we elected a president who was pro-life instead of pro-choice. And making choices, even choices about something that seems far removed from whether people are going to live or die, makes a huge difference in what happens in the world. The reality is that when we elected a president who favored life over the choice for death, then the number of deaths went down by hundreds of thousands a year, probably significantly because he chose to use his chief executive powers to... uh, to preserve life, to defend life in some way. So thanks for bringing up that topic, Bob. And I, I just wanted to emphasize that choices that we make have a huge impact. We, I know we get tired of talking about some things and hearing about some things, but the reality is the world is different based on the choices that we make. And somehow or another, we have to learn to talk about these issues, not just in a lecturing kind of stance, but in a way that allows us to understand why these truths matter, why it's worth talking about. Kyle in Dallas, thanks so much for calling. What do you want to say about hip-hop culture?
2: Well, I just want to make an observation, and I'm not an alarmist, but I wanted to make an observation about the negativity that's uh, carried out in the lifestyles of the hip-hop in general, how they <laughs> teach our young folks to rebel against the police authority and authority in general, okay, and how they devalue uh, the women in society. They turn them into objects. You know,
4: I have to admit, I, I don't know much about hip-hop culture, Kyle, so I'm I'm speaking from ignorance when I talk about it, but... I do have to say that I've experienced the same kind of degradation of women when I've gone to uh, uh, people's homes and uh, seen the husband sitting there picking his teeth and shaking his tea glass and uh, saying to his wife, hey, my ice is rattling. Where's the rest of my tea? Uh, You know, I'm not sure many of us have the kind of respect for each other that we ought to have. That doesn't undermine your point at all. I I certainly agree with your point. I just want to extend that out to the rest of us and say whether you're wearing your pants baggy or not, uh, we all ought to have a little higher respect for each other than we have in the past. Philip, thank you for calling from Arlington. What do you want to share with us today, Philip? Uh,
3: yes. Um, I, I think that maybe one of the most important things is having spiritual leadership. You know, it's a thing that's kind of hidden from this culture, and it, it's not obvious, but, you know, I'm reminded of Rehoboam, who was said to be wise in the way that he ran the country, but the, the, but, is, but Judah fell uh, fell into despair right. after him because, You know, he didn't follow God, and the wisdom of man has no comparison to the power of God.
4: Right. Well, you know, ultimately we have to appeal to that. I mean, I can't say, I'm not going to pretend that I'm sitting here and because I have some high and mighty position at uh, the, the mighty Criswell College, which, you know, is a great place to be, that I have some wisdom that allows me to see through all of the deception that everyone falls prey to. It's nothing like that at all. I mean, this is why we are so dependent on the Lord. Every day we have to come to His Word, we have to come to His people. We have to listen to his spirit, and we have to know the direction he's leading us, because whether it makes sense to us or not at the moment, uh, when we take it into our own hands, the results can be catastrophic. Philip, are you still on the line? Yes. I just wanted to know, you know, you heard everything I just said. I mean, I, I'm assuming that's what you're getting at, right? Uh, oh, yeah. we, we have to learn a, to follow.
3: Right. What I'm getting at is that I think as Americans, we we tend to believe that secular proficiency is, is acceptable for our government that if they're just good at what they're doing and they're they're uh, skillful and cunning in the way that they run the country that that's okay? But right. really, you know, the Bible teaches us that national spirituality is, is critical.
4: It's going to take more than that. That's exactly. I appreciate your calling, Philip. Thanks so much for that that uh, idea, Jim from Alan. You, you, is it right that you homeschool? Do you homeschool?
2: Yeah, we've got an 8-year-old that we're homeschooling.
4: Okay, listen, Jim, I want to I want to play something for you real quickly because I know you've heard about this going on in California right now. Uh, there's some legislation that uh, – or actually just this court uh, ruling about homeschooling that came out. And I want you to hear this real quickly, and then let's talk about it for a second.
2: I think this decision is just unconscionable. The, what the court has done is they've reached out purposefully. They've reached out in a secretive case that was closed off to anybody's knowledge, didn't let uh, – Groups like Homeschool Legal Defense Association participate by keeping the the veil of juvenile court secrecy about it. But what's happened is this. The court has said that the statutes of California forbid parents to teach their own children at home unless they're a certified teacher. For 99.9% of parents in in California, that means you cannot teach your kids at home. And if you are having a child that's in the secondary stages, you cannot teach because you're not certified in everything. So uh, it, it is effectively slamming in the door on homeschooling for everyone, and they've said such outrageous things as it doesn't matter what the kids learn. Um, Learning is not important. It's just simply that we need them intended so other people can watch out because we can't trust parents. At the the heart of this case is a distrust of parents.
4: Now, that was Dr. Mike Ferris, the co-founder and chairman and General Counsel of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, and he was talking on Focus for the Family there about what had happened in California. And you heard all that, right, Jim?
2: Yeah, I did. So, uh,
4: you know, my thinking when I hear that is about uh, the threat on family life in general, because we homeschooled also. So wh- what were you thinking about when you called in, and also what do you think about that cut we, we were just playing?
2: Well, my biggest concern, of course, is that they're, they're saying they don't trust parents, but, you know, how long is it going to be before something like this sweeps the nation and affects everyone? I don't believe that the public school environment is a place for my children to be at.
4: Right. Well, I understand that. And some do and some don't. And we, we did different things with our kids over the years. So uh, that's an argument to be had at a different time. But I will say when we were when we were homeschooling, the kids that we did homeschool, uh, we always had this thing hanging over us. We had to be aware of what the legislature would do, was doing. We had to know which legislators were trying to promote, uh, you know, a home uh, a home, um, uh, you know, uh, inspections so that they could find out whether you were really qualified to teach your kids at home and stuff. And, you know, when we were considered alarmist, the reality was we were simply saying, look, it's our home home they 're our children I mean aren't we just by prerogative given the right to decide how we want to educate our children? I'm assuming as a homeschooler, you would agree with that much, is that right
2: Oh absolutely so, and, and you know, in I Texas Penna's comment, I think it was on Friday when she first talked about this that homeschooling her kids out in California, they were always in fear of even going out during the day.
4: Right, yeah, I've heard that in California. In Texas, we're, we're very much blessed. I know you're aware of this, Jim, uh, that we have very little opposition right now, and we've had a, a good defense. But that's because we've had people laying the groundwork for us for decades, really, exactly. in the past. So thanks for calling in, man. That was a great call. I appreciate your information and the idea. And, and it, is, it is catastrophic when we hand over that kind of authority to the government that we allow them to determine what parents are going to be able to do with their kids. Beverly, I want to get you in before we get to the break but we're just going to have a few seconds. So I want to ask you: thanks for, first of all, thanks for calling in. Love uh, Louisville. Glad to hear from you. Want to hear what you have to say. Beverly, real quickly.
1: Okay, I'm just third generation in ministry. Okay. We've had a lot of friends that have lived for years and loved the countries they adopted as missionaries. Right. And I think that we as Christians in this country have our heads in the sand when it comes to politics. Yeah. We have laid back and let them change our laws like like the ones with the school issues, which you're talking about right now, right. and other things. But one thing that caught my attention was a comment you made a little earlier in the program. Okay. And that was that we allow the small things that seem important to take prevalence and don't pay attention to the big ones that oh, are right, right in front of our nose. That's right. And I'm speaking particularly about something that could dramatically change the texture.
4: Tell me what it is in five direction. seconds
1: of our country, and that has to do with our political, our political presidency that's coming
4: up. Oh, man, it's going to be hugely important, and we're going to talk more about that and other issues right after this really short break. Come back right in a moment to Barry Creamer on Jerry Johnson Live.
0: That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. Wow, I'm glad you've stayed with us all the way to the end here. Uh,
4: because I think it's important for us to think seriously about these things. If you, want to, if you still want to call in and comment on the banality of evil that we've been talking about, uh, then you'll need to do it right away. The number is one eight hundred eight eight one nine two seven zero, 881 9270 and we're going to try to squeeze you in, because uh, there are just a couple of things we need to talk about to clarify the topic for today and why it's so important for us to understand these things uh, in our lives as Christians and how we represent Christ in the world. Patricia in Dallas, thanks so much for calling. What were you going to say about
3: prayer? Oh,
1: I just wanted to point out that I think it's one of those things that Um, it's missing in much of evangelical America and just the the world.
4: But Patricia, don't you say to people all of the time, oh, I'll pray for you? Don't you do that all the time?
1: Well, of course. Most of (laughs) us do. But how many actually then go and and do pray? Yeah, Yeah.
4: exactly. I mean, that's the problem. Uh,
1: Yeah, and I think the church is very much... um, They are relying more on programs than they are prayer. And
4: we do forget how significant that is. You know, I'll I'll just suggest to everybody who's listening to this, uh, the next time someone says to you, man, would you pray for me about this? You know, a great thing to do is just stop right there and say, well, can I pray for you about it right now? You don't have to say anything but a sentence. It's not like God needs you to give him a discourse on it. Uh, Just just offer your prayer to the Lord right there with them. Uh, It's an incredible encouragement, important thing for us to recognize. It's true. I mean, we can't pretend that we're going to represent Christ in the world if we're not actually praying. It's just part of what it means to be a Christian. So thank you so much for that call. Again, uh, this is probably your last opportunity to do it. If you're interested in calling in and commenting on the banality of evil that we've been talking about, the number is 1-800-881-9270. 1-800-881-9270. Call right away if you want to get squeezed in. Uh, Otherwise, we're just not going to be able to get you in. Now, here's the deal. Uh, A lot of times, you know, I'm asked if I, I think we're making too much out of things that are unimportant. There are a lot of things that we make much out of that really aren't that important. I mentioned to you a moment ago, that uh, the Vatican in the last few days has come out with this new list of sins. Uh, it's not so much because things have changed in eternity that they would do that. Of course, we don't follow the Vatican as if we're Catholic or something. Some of you are. But the idea is uh, that the things, things do change in the world. And so our way of expressing what's right and wrong sometimes has to change. And so one of the things that they identified as a basic sin right now has to do with the environment. Pollution.
1: Thou shalt not pollute. Officials at the Vatican say the faithful should be aware of damage to the environment, calling it a modern-day sin. This weekend's announcement comes after months of appeals from Pope Benedict for the protection of the environment. The Pope says issues such as climate change have become gravely important for the entire human race.
4: And, uh, you know, of course, I mean, environmentalism is important. There's no doubt we have to take care of the world, Uh, but I also don't think there's any doubt that uh, global warming is an issue And some of the ways that we look at environmentalism. Not the fact that the environment's important, but just the way that we look at environmentalism is an exaggeration of certain aspects of it so that we can focus on something we're comfortable with dealing with and avoid the things that we actually ought to deal with. you're calling from Oklahoma. Man, uh, you know, it's hard for me to say it, but I guess I guess you're our neighbor. We love you. We're glad you're calling from Oklahoma. Uh, tell me what it is that's on your mind as something that might be really important people need to deal with.
1: Hi. Yes, my concern, um, one of them, I've, your program has been uh, a little bit difficult to listen to just to realize there are so many areas of need. Oh, man, but it is scary, I, isn't it? It, there, it is, and we really need to be praying and doing what we can to make a difference. But um the government and civilian financial indebtedness in our country really does concern me. Right. And we have had had uh, greater debt in the past, and we're we're doing much better on that now. We're, I really feel that God has dealt with us to get out from under our debt and Great. to um, be obedient in that. But just to see where our country is and to where, you know, you hear the statistics of, uh, you know, the average family has X amount of debt, and, it, right. you know, it's just... It's, it's kind of scary, and you Boy, can I hear see... You that it is making a difference overall, you know, where our dollar is I hear you. worldwide hear all a, that, It's, it's like, a huge burden
4: and weight on anybody who experiences that. And we know what a burden it is on our economy uh, to remain in that kind of debt, too. So great call from Barbara in Oklahoma. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed that an Oklahoman has had to, had to call in and tell us that here. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, we love you so much. And thanks for calling. It was a great call. Uh, Nolan in Arlington, I appreciate your calling. Just before your comment, Nolan, I understand you're going to say something about Obama. I want to play this cut real quick and may fit in to what you want to say
0: whatever we once were we are no longer a christian nation
4: oh that'll do it right there so nolan what's your concern about obama
2: well uh we've been getting uh, some information on the email and i've never checked it out but you know obama was in a in a Muslim
4: school. Oh, you know, we, uh, to be honest with you, Nolan, we, all that's been checked into so many times. Nobody really doubts that he's Christian. I'm not saying born again. I'm not I'm not using that word. I have no idea what his actual spiritual condition is before God. But, you know, he's he's adamant that he's a Christian. I think everybody in his background knows that his Christian background is real. Uh, whether it's born again or not is a different issue altogether, but I don't know that about any of the candidates. I can't know them personally. So, But I, I do appreciate your calling about that because it matters whether we're Christian or not in our worldview and the way we're looking at the world that's around us. Let me just say a couple of more things before we, uh, before we finish up today, because the, the things that we've been talking about are hugely important to me. They're the reason that I stay motivated to teach in my classrooms and to go on weekends to churches and, and preach there, and, and even to do this radio show, because you know the, the, the way we make decisions is not always, you know what the word prima facie means? It means uh, we can't always make them at first face. In fact, that verse in the Proverbs that, that we're so familiar with, it's Proverbs fourteen twelve and sixteen twenty five. It's repeated in the Proverbs it's that important there's a way that seems right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death the word that seem there in Proverbs 16.25 is actually the word for face it actually says the way something appears to a man's face the way it comes at him is not the way it really is so we look at something and at face value it looks like the right thing to do but in the end it's something that leads down to death that's something we ignore all the time people don't have to make a choice for what they believe is wrong they can make a choice For what they believe is right at first face, prima facie, but it's not actually right, and so we have to have a wisdom that can only come from this relationship with Jesus Christ that we have, that allows us to look at things in a in a longer way, in a longer term, and in terms of the consequences that go with it. Now, I'm not saying that we should become results oriented. Well, this is going to bring about the best results, so that's what we ought to do. In fact, that's what that's what's gotten us into a lot of this trouble to begin with. We've forgotten that there are some things that we're committed to do simply because we're Christian. And there are other things we avoid simply because we're Christian. And the consequences are not in our hands. They're in God's hands. And so we trust him with what he wants to do with those things. A lot of times I'm asked if I don't think we're making much ado about nothing when we talk about a lot of these issues. They'll talk about passages like 1 Timothy 6, where he's uh, indicating that we shouldn't spend all of our time on profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. But when people say that to me, they're missing the point That what Paul is saying to Timothy is, oppose those false sayings and defend the truth. So that we don't err concerning the faith as others do. It is worth doing what Jude brought up, which is contend for the faith. As we would say it in our culture, we need to contend for the truth. That doesn't mean be contentious. It simply means stand up for the truth and make sure that we point out what's so significant about all of these issues. Now, in order to do that, we have to recognize our vulnerability because all of us are subject to making those unimportant things seem important. We have to ground ourselves in the only objective perspective that we can get, which is the Word, which means if we're not reading, and as one caller mentioned, praying, we're just going to fail to do it. And then we have to present the truth in love to all those normal people out there who haven't yet seen the world from a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Barry Creamer for Jerry Johnson Live. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Crystal College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.